Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Thursday, July 28th. We are here live. We're going to open the phone lines right now, and it is a free-for-all today. I'll be here for the next hour or until we run out of questions. It's totally up to you. Phone lines are open. You can start dialing right now, 855-950-3835. It is a free-for-all. Anything goes. Pick up the phone and join me. I've got some things I want to talk about. I'll get to those calls here in just a little bit. Uh, you know, right now I kind of feel like the uh, the quarterback that just stepped up to the line and saw a different defense and had to call an audible. I had my open all done, ready to go. Uh, four or five different topics, figured I'd only get to a couple of them and then I'll get to calls. And literally two minutes ago, I came across an article and it actually kind of fits in with my theme, but I was a little shocked by it. My theme, honestly, was going to be, um, you know, when I looked around at at everything going on right now, it was certainly talk about the economy, um, but almost everything right now is wrapped around politics, which just sucks. Just tells us our government has gotten way too big, has way too much impact on our life, that every day, just about every topic I want to talk about seems to be wrapped up in politics. And I don't want to talk about politics, but I don't see any other choice. Um, right now, the big... So my theme, kind of all over the board, this... Uh, This article threw me a curve here. Um, My theme was going to be about personal responsibility. Taking personal responsibility. It's such a powerful lesson. And we keep getting further and further away from it. But it's no surprise because just look at the way our government right now operates. We have got the longest list of bad news I've ever seen in my lifetime. Honestly, I don't remember anything like this. Between the border, inflation, wars around the world, energy crisis, just everything right down the line. Crime, I just go on and on. It's all we talk about anymore. All these things that seem to be going wrong in our country. And the other theme, though, this administration is never responsible, ever. They come up with every possible excuse they can find to claim that this is not their problem. They didn't cause this. Well, the problem with that is, and this is why taking personal responsibility is so powerful, whether you cause something or not, take responsibility for it because that's the only way you can fix it. But we keep hearing these crazy excuses from this government. No, that that, uh, we didn't cause these high fuel prices, although now they want to take credit for the fact that they've come down some over the last month or so. It doesn't work that way. The thing I'm a little afraid of right now, um, one, when it comes to the economy, we're in all new territory here. We really don't know what's going to happen because we've never seen anything quite like this. We thought that the run-up... And in 2018, the run-up had already set a record. It was the longest economic expansion in history. That was in 2018. And we were saying it was probably over then. And it didn't end. 
Then something really strange happened in 2020. We got a worldwide pandemic. We didn't really, but that's what they wanted to call it. And the last two years have just been a mess. Things we never thought would happen. You know, right now we're at the point where I've been saying, look, it looks like we're finally going to, you know, have to bite the bullet. There's going to be some pain, but we should get some clarity on where we're going in the next six months or so. Here's how bad it is with this this administration and responsibility. Inflation and the economy, the number one issue right now in everybody's mind. It's what everybody is worried about. It's what everybody's talking about. And in my entire lifetime, I've been following the economy for a long time. Knowing when we were in a recession was really simple, really simple. My entire lifetime, every time we've claimed we're in a recession, we used one criteria. That was it. It's simple. If the U.S. economy shrinks two quarters in a row, that's six months, a half a year, if during an entire six-month stretch there is no growth in GDP, it actually shrinks, that's a recession. The word even makes sense. It's receding. It's shrinking. But all of a sudden, after all these years, decades of using that as the measurement, this administration just became so outrageous that they now say, oh, no, that's not the definition of a recession. What are you thinking? We're not in a recession. Talk about the ultimate in not taking responsibility for something. Just change the definition. That's all they're doing. They're just changing the definition, but that will make things worse. We have to admit what's going wrong, address it, and fix it. But if you don't admit it, you'll never get around to fixing it. So here's the scary part. I really thought we were going to make it to November for the midterm elections. I thought we were going to squeak by without this government doing much more damage to our economy, but we're not going to because for some reason they finally got to Joe Manchin and Joe Manchin is about to agree with them on another big spending bill. So all bets are off now as whether or not we're going to get clarity on, you know, we are in a recession right now. Let's, let's just say that. We, that's clear. But what is another big government spending bill going to do to that? It may keep us, it may bring us out of the recession pretty quickly because we may see GDP growth if the government puts out a ton of money again. And they'll claim, oh, look, we're out of a recession. But that just means when, the, when it's time to pay the piper, it's going to be worse. So that's what we need to deal with. That's new. I did not think Manchin was going to give in on this. We only had, you know, several more months and I thought we might be safe, but it doesn't look that way. So in my opinion right now, all bets are in the economy are off till we see what this spending bill is going to be and if they manage to ram it through. 
Uh, all right. What I had a ton of stuff here, but the calls are starting to come in. Um, speaking of the government, um, this worries me a little bit too. Uh, you know, I've been very outspoken against genetically modified um, food in our food supply. And many people have no understanding what genetically modified means. Unfortunately, it seems to be the people with the most agricultural background that get this one completely wrong. They don't think there's any big deal about GMOs. They confuse it with hybridization, cross-pollination, things that nature does and we've been doing for thousands of years with plants. I have no problem with that. Take two berries, cross-pollinate them, come up with a new berry. No big deal. Happens in nature all the time. That's not what genetic modification is. Not even close. In genetic modification, we are doing things to plants and now animals that could never happen in nature, have never happened in nature. They're, they're total forced mutations. And we have no idea what might come out of this. But it's getting worse now. So before we would genetically modify a plant in a laboratory, we would splice all the genes and do all the testing. And that all happened in a laboratory, a fairly controlled environment until we saw what the results were. And then we might move that plant out into the wild. Uh, I think it's a horrible idea. We shouldn't be doing it, but we are. But now it's getting worse. Listen to this craziness. And this is coming from DARPA, by the way. Now, of all of our government agencies, the alphabet soup, um, you know, we're familiar with the big ones, the FBI, the CIA. Some people might recognize the DIA. I could go on and on and on. There are so many of these government agencies that we're not even really sure what what they're doing. Um, DARPA is a government agency and it is military. Um, DARPA has a program. Uh, They call it Insect Allies. Now, it's kind of funny because I just talked about this. Using insects in my garden to control problems, other insects and pests. It's a great idea. That happens in nature all the time. We're just harnessing the power of nature and knowing that if we put in this plant, it attracts this kind of insect. This insect will kill this insect, which is eating your plants. That's just good, sustainable gardening and farming. What DARPA is about to do with insects is just, it sounds like just pure science fiction to me, but it's happening. So instead of taking these plants and doing all the genetic modification in a laboratory, a controlled environment, we can see what's going to happen. Now they have figured out a way to use insects. So they are going to take an insect. They're going to infect it with a genetically modified virus virus sound familiar have we is is there been a virus kind of wreaking havoc around the world the last couple of years viruses are pretty unique they're not alive 
but they can multiply if they have a host. Their viruses are very unique in the things that they can do. But we should not be messing with them, and we are now. We're taking an insect, we're infecting it with a genetically modified virus. That virus multiplies inside the insect. Then we're going to release these insects into the field so that they can infect the plant with this genetically modified splice. It's actually being referred to as gene therapy. Isn't that what this COVID jab is? Some sort of funky gene therapy? Now we're going to modify insects and use the insects to go out into the field and genetically modify plants. Holy shit, what could go wrong here? Ah, unbelievable. All right. I had uh, some other things, but uh, I'll put them aside right now. I may come back to them. We're going to get to some phone calls. Let's head off to West Virginia. Steve, welcome to the program. Morning, Kevin. What's on your mind today? You should have, uh, you should have, uh, you should have my business report for the first half of the year. My Angie sent it over to you, along with my six months uh, fuel gauges also. Um, and I uh, wanted to go over a couple things, but I um, wanted just how important, just to say how important having relationships are. Um, I delivered 101 shipments in the first half of the year this year. And 93 of them were contract break. They were they were they were relationship break. Wow! And and about eight, I had to go on the load board for. Um, and if you'll notice down there, uh, I'm a escort, so I have wages down there. I have a seventy-eight thousand dollar profit plus thirty-six thousand dollars plus uh, almost thirty yeah almost thirty-six thousand dollars of thirty-seven thousand dollars of wages. Uh, so I. I netted, you know, if I were a sole proprietor, my first half of the year would have been $115,000 for profit. Which and, is uh, just course, They would have been paying taxes incredible. for all that. Yeah. It just, just. Yeah, in- I mean, that's, home, that's home three nights on the weekend. Three <laughs> nights every weekend. <laughs> <laughs> that, they, let's think I'm on back. my way home now. I'll be home tonight, man. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Let's think back 10 years. Let's just go back 10 years. And if somebody would have walked up yeah. to you and said, look, I, I've got this deal. You're going to be home three nights every week, and you're going to net $115,000 a year with your one truck. I would have looked at him and said, you're so full of shit, it's not even funny. That That isn't even <laughs> close to what's happening out in the market. Never really has. I, these, these kind of numbers are, are almost unheard of. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's leads to a carrier. Uh, exactly. You know, that's, that's right. So, I, right. That, so, so I did, I did 168,000 of revenue after Landstar took their third. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. Uh, so, I, so, so, uh, you know, and here's the thing. People say, well, why don't you go out and get your own authority and go get those customers? Well, here, Landstar is able to offer them 12,000 BCOs to pull freight. So exactly. they have that relationship with a lot of great contract freight. And I can't do that with one truck. So so my, my rates right now, this rate here on this one, uh, this rate right here is uh, $4.32 a mile coming home. I have $5.55 going out. I have six dollars and fifteen cents in the Midwest on the load. That's a that's that's three of the contract loads. 
And then, like I say, I take the best best I can off of the load board is still in. Uh, and I only had to do a few this year. I mean, I'm, yeah. I did eight. That's um, crazy. So, so now, and now, now I, I listen to the book, Who, Who Moves My Cheese, every year. All right, we're getting ready into this recession now. My Midwest load, that's $6 and something, that's insulation. So guess what? This past week, the insulation canceled this past week. And we don't, I don't look like I have one next week. So I had to go to the, to the, to the load board, the spot market. And I picked up, you know, I picked up good loads to, to fill in, not, but they're not paying me what the, the, uh, they're not going to pay me next week what the, uh, insulation pays. So you have to be ready for change and you have to be ready to say, oh, okay, I'm going to make a little bit less this, this next week than I made the week, you know, two weeks ago. Yeah. But that's okay. All of my, you know, my main contract loads are long term contracts that, that don't tend to change with the rate. Um, you know, they, they don't tend to change. I've got one that's a three-year contract, and I'm on my third three-year contract with them now. They've never, they've never come back early and asked for money back. Wow. Um, and, and that's because I've never been late, and the machine down if I don't get this load there today. You know, that's the thing. They don't – they had it – where they had it before, the company that had it were dropping the loads in drop yards, and they had whole plants going down on yeah. of it. So yeah. once you build that relationship, you know – and building a relationship is real simple. There's three things you have to do. You have to make your equipment very reliable. That means totally maintain your equipment and, and make sure it's always in great shape. You're not going to be breaking down on the side of the road and being late. Number two, make yourself reliable. That means, that means trip planning. That means having your rest, having your, you know, take care of your body, everything, so that you're never late. And number three is communicate, communicate, communicate. You know, my customers always have communication. I've delivered I've delivered over sixteen hundred loads at Landstar in almost eight years, and I can go back on each load has a email thread, and I can I have every arrival, every departure, every POD on each of those on those sixteen hundred uh, emails. So I can go back and look eight years ago what I did. So you have to you have to communicate, and, and when you communicate like that. They know their freight's delivered. Uh, they say that ninety percent of the guys don't never never let them know if they delivered their load or not. I mean that's that's horrible. Yeah. And uh, but yeah. <laughs> do that hard work up front, like you taught taught us. You taught us all this. We that's why we appreciate you so much. You you teach us this, and we are able we're able to uh, take that and build those relationships. Then you can have those kind of numbers. And um, and so like I say, I, it it. It, it's the best, obviously, the best six month period I've ever had. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but last year was a really good year too. I mean, it, right, <laughs> right. But, uh, and and like I say, I expect it to stay good. So, uh, and like I said, we do appreciate you know what you guys teach. If everybody will listen, and you know, I'm telling people right now, listen, listen to this guy. He's not that crazy, that crazy little, that crazy little guy on the radio. He, <laughs> he, you know, he he knows what he's talking about. Well, and you know what? None of this stuff is complicated. It's all really no, simple no, stuff. I, I I try to keep things simple because when they get complicated, I can't understand them. So none of this is complicated. The math we're talking about, when we talk about getting your numbers together, we you were taught the math required to do a profit and loss statement in the fourth grade. Yep, exactly. Fourth, fifth grade arithmetic. We That's used it. We call it arithmetic. That's all it was. Right. That, 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 <laughs> That's as complicated as this gets. 
it, and really what you just talked about it, with it relationships, take care of your equipment, take care of your body and communicate. How difficult is that? That, that, that it's that simple. It, it is really that simple. And, and, and I, you know, I, I mentor a lot of people. I turn down 90, 95% of the people that want me to mentor them because in talking to them in the first five minutes, get their attitude if the attitude's good i'll work with them. if the attitude's not good i'm not gonna beat my head against is it ball. isn't uh, it because people you know people are either ha- the glass is half full or happening right yeah but is, you know that isn't it crazy how fast you can pick those people out now oh yes oh yes yeah just a few questions you know if you know you can figure out real quick if they're the center of the universe or their universe <laughs> yeah customers got to be the center of your universe not, well, not you, not me. Hey, we can be replaced. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, my lesson today, we uh, we have a government that is just awful now. In, forget all the politics, the policies. I, I'm not even talking about that, that I disagree with their ideas, their policies. All I'm talking about is this is an administration, I've never seen one quite like this, that will not take responsibility for anything. And that's the people I look out for. Like you, I, I get questions from people. I, and I, I don't want to work with people who are just going to waste everybody's time. There's mine and everybody else's. The easiest way to figure it out is, are they willing to take responsibility for where they are now? And when you get that guy that says, oh, I got this truck through my carrier and they just screwed me. They didn't tell me about this and they lied and they cheated. Then I got my own authority and and the damn brokers just keep ripping me off. And, uh, you know, I take my truck to the shop and that when everything is everybody else's fault, I am done. I will not work with people like that. Look, I've even said, even if it is somebody else's fault, take responsibility for it anyway, because that's the only way you can fix it. But this administration, if we just think about the recession, the economy, they've used every excuse possible from day one. It's transitory. Did they not understand how much damage they did to their credibility by saying that over and over and over? We're still talking about it. We're still talking about you screwed up a year ago because you wouldn't admit that this was happening. You made excuses and people are pissed at them for that. And now they're doing it again. Uh, now they're saying, oh, yeah, they- uh, no, it's it's not a recession. That's the wrong definition. Well, come on. <laughs> I, who cares if it's a recession or not? That's just a word. Are people hurting in the economy? Absolutely. Can we see a clear pattern of what's happening? Pretty darn clear, yes. Is spending a whole bunch of more government money the right way to go now? No. Every economist on the planet with a half a brain says it's the worst thing you could do right now. Yes, it's, it's going to get worse. It's going to get even worse now because uh, we're going to have another three-quarter jump in the interest rates this week, uh, probably today, I reckon. Oh, no, we already did. And when that we, happened... We, we already did. Oh, we got it yesterday? Yeah, oh, okay. we got it. Okay, yep. I, missed, I missed that yesterday. I was, I was listening to your back shows yesterday. Yeah, we... <laughs> so I was listening to what I missed last week. Yeah, the Fed raised the rate again, so mortgage rates will jump over 6% now. And let's go back and think about what this means. What was your load that was paying so good that canceled? Uh, it was insulation. That insulation. Means making all those apartments. Stuff yeah, what, yeah. What do we normally use insulation for? Buildings? 
New buildings. Homes, apartments. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah. Well, guess yep. what? Exactly. That's all going away. Yep. Yep. And I'm just glad that I'm diversified enough that that's the only thing I've got in the building trade. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that's what you I mean. That's another thing. You know, don't, don't, these guys that run automotive all the time have great rates for a while and then somebody else comes under bid you. Uh, then all of a sudden, you know, they have nothing uh, because that's all they're doing. You know, I got, you know, I've got, I've got Harbor Freight, they go on forever. I've got, I've got dull faucet parts, you know, or do it yourself. So that works in a recession. Do it yourself. That's right. At Lowe's and and Home Depot. That's right. So I don't have to worry about those two. And then, like I say, you always have to be ready for some change. So I know instead of one fill in load a week, I'll have to do probably two off the load. Yes. But I do have relationships there too. I mean, I have have agents at D.H. Robinson that I can call when I'm in an area and I can call them and they will actually call an agent for me to get the load to get me on their load. So yet you build those relationships everywhere, and uh, not just with your agents, but build agents with the three PLs that you're dealing with too. Same thing. You you give them what they want. Same thing. Exactly. Yeah. You know, my, my philosophy around building relationships is everybody I meet in this industry or any industry that interfaces with this industry, every person I meet is a potential relationship. And that's how you should approach it from the beginning. Always. At some point you'll realize now there's no oh. real fit here, but every person I meet is a potential business relationship. Uh, it definitely is. So, so, uh, so I am at uh, two forty-eight all miles, and I had seventy-eight cent of operational cost. Uh, so basically, uh, I'm I'm at a buck seventy for my wages, my per diem, and my profit. For That's the first incredible. Half of the year for all miles. That's just so, incredible. So, and, and my fuel fuel cost is fifty fifty-two cent a mile. That includes the death, which is two cent a mile. Max mileage, and of course, I bought two gallons. Uh, I'm testing, you know, the new product. That's and right. And I will yeah. have you some numbers next week. For the first month, first month, I've been I've been posting on uh, on Trucking Tribe. I've got a few more uh, fuel tickets to put in there, but I'll have my first month. I'm gonna move. Uh, I did a ounce for every 25 gallons first month. I'm gonna uh, on on Monday. I'll start the two ounces for 25 for the month of August. Okay, then I'm gonna good. go back to one in in September. One in September, and then in October, I'm going to do zero to have a, another, another, uh, you know, a, I have two front months with nothing. And so, so I will, I'll get y'all the numbers for the first month. And it's not an awful lot of gain for me. Uh, I'm sure people would, uh, you know, it, you know, but, but it's going to, you know, it's still, I, I want to check it with the two months. I want to do the full test before I, I make yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one one of the challenges here, I mean, you're already breaking nine miles to the gallon on long-term numbers. You know, we it, we always find it yeah. gets harder and harder to get those increases, uh, but that's this is the way we like to test it. You know, if we can get seven out of ten yeah. trucks that we see a solid increase with this product, that's a pretty good sign. Right, I was already at nine point oh one last month. I'm at it, I'm at nine point oh eight so far this month. But yeah, you know, we'll we'll see when I finish the month. Uh, right, you know, finish the month on Sunday. Uh, but but I'll have all that in there, and I'll have I'll get a, I'll also have a graph. I'll send y'all Tuesday morning. It'll have the uh, the IFSA for the previous two months. You know the gallons and the miles total, uh, and this and for this month too. So 
So we'll do that and fuel gauges and I'll, you know, like I say, we'll get with Bruce on that show and uh, and just go over that real quick too on Tuesday. So, all righty. All right. Sounds great. Thanks for the update, Steve. We'll talk to you again soon. Let's head off to North Carolina this time. AJ, welcome to the program. Good morning, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. What can I help you with today? I got that. Just I'll, I'll, let me just uh, preface the uh, conversation here a little bit. So back in December, I give you a call with an oil sample. We found no lead, high copper okay. on it in a DD fifteen. Right. And uh, so I was I was getting ready to go into Pittsburgh Power on the first of January. So I went in there and talked to them about doing the bearings. They didn't want to do the bearings because it it takes a, a torque multiplier. Well, well, wait, those, well, uh, well, wait, a, wait a minute, though. And I don't know, I don't remember the exact call or what my advice was, but this is a fairly common scenario, and my advice has always been the same. If we never see lead, now, the one exception is if we have a new truck and we're not sure of the history of it, and we do one oil sample. Yeah, that's we pretty see, much what I had. Oh, okay. That That's why I'm questioning this, because I, I had a feeling something happened. If we don't know the history, and we, we buy a truck, yep. a used truck, we do our first oil sample, and we see high copper but no lead. This is a conundrum, because it could have been that the lead's already gone. I mean, we're just not seeing much lead because it's already gone and we didn't see it because we weren't sampling. It wasn't our truck. Now there's high copper. In that case, we have to at least pull down the pan and inspect the bearings to see, is this a bearing issue or is it just an oil cooler issue where the, the copper's just leaching out of the oil cooler, which is not a problem. You don't have to do anything. If you get crazy high copper numbers because your oil cooler's leaching, you do nothing because there's, there's nothing to do. It's not really a problem. But in your case, now that we're talking about it, if we don't know the history, we can't just assume all the copper came from the oil cooler. We have to go in and look at the bearings. So did they not even look at the bearings? Yeah, so everybody did everything right. Um, they didn't want to. They didn't want to buy the tool because they can't justify buying the tool because they don't see enough DD15s. That's understandable, no big deal. And so I found a place up in Maine that they'll, they'll look at the bearings. And once you take the caps off, you got to do all this right, multiplier. Yeah, okay. Uh, to get them. So they didn't want to look at the bearings. So I had the overhead done. I had a couple other things done. I ran down to Florida, and the injector cups went. So it's a good thing I didn't do the bearings because. The how, for quite a job. So I saved how, a while. How many miles are on this engine? Seven. Right now, 785. I just had the bearings on back at 760. I wonder what went wrong with this thing. So, but it gets, it gets, it gets interesting. So, um, so I had these guys pull the couple caps off. They said, they don't look bad. We're not seeing, co- we're not down to the copper, but 700 at the time, 60,000 miles on the motor. Got the bearings already. And I bought them because they were hard to come by. So I bought them. Had to go down to Georgia to get a, the, the uh, connecting rod bearing. So um, the national back order, had to chase them around the country, that kind of thing. So I had them done 25,000 miles ago. I had the, the oil sample done yesterday. But I had them roll them in, and I'm about to see a sample, and I'm going to have that sample. Um, you know, I'll send it over to you, and I'll call you back when that comes in. However, I was looking at a video from a pretty well-known dude on YouTube, and he just happened to throw a little quip out there that, 
CD15s, the Freightliner went to um, lead-free tri-metal bearings in the DD15. So that makes everything a little more interesting. Like, is there lead, is there even lead in these bearings? I have never heard this, so I'm going to make a note. Neither have I. So I tried in my short little Let, give, give me that yeah, my short again. little time lead, I had last night. I couldn't lead free. What was what was the term? Yeah, his tri- quote. His quote was lead free tri metal bearing. And I tried to look on a on a on a search for it. I couldn't find too much about it, except there are lead free tri-metal bearings used in high-performance motors, and, and they did it. They said they did it because of the uh, the torque down low in the low part of the motor. It takes a beating down on the low part of the motor, so they went to uh, lead-free tri-metal bearings. I am uh, I'm asking Angie if she'll reach out and uh, get Pete from Pittsburgh Power on the line with us. Um I'll have him do some digging on this. That this would be a pretty major thing. I wonder how I've missed this. Um, you know, the, one of the problems, our industry doesn't do enough oil analysis. And because they don't do enough oil analysis, we don't have enough good information about all these things. You know, we're one of the few people that really talk a lot about oil analysis, but we should know this. If, if there's a new bearing on the market that doesn't have lead in it, I don't know how I could have missed that. Um, and that's pretty damn important. But here's the, here's the other thing, though. And I'm, I'm going to go back. I don't know, based on the, the results at the shop, that I would have put bearings in this. Whether they're lead or not, they inspected a bearing and it was okay. And, and historically, we don't replace bearings on these engines. And that's, there's probably the bigger reason Pittsburgh Power doesn't want to invest a bunch of money in a tool to replace bearings. It's not that they don't see a lot of DD-15s. It's one of the most popular engines on the market. They just don't see DD-15s that we have to put bearings into. We, we don't put bearings in almost any right, engine yeah, anymore. I mean. Yeah, we, it, it's just almost unheard of. They don't fail very often unless something goes really wrong. Uh, but whether these are lead or not, um, they physically inspected the bearings and they were okay. But I, I do want to find out so about this, the, this lead-free thing because... What if the outer metal isn't lead? What is it? So we know what to watch for to see the what to look for. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. What are we supposed to be looking for to know that we're getting bearing wear? They were talking about uh, some of the. I couldn't find much last night in a couple hours that I that I researched online. Uh, the only thing that I could come up with was an article about using bismuth as the outside later. What was it? What was that word? Biz- bismuth, B-I-Z-M-U-T-H, or M-O-T-H. Oh, yeah, I know I've seen that of some sort of. Yeah, I don't know what it is exactly. I've heard of the, the I guess, chemical or the element, but I don't really know much about it. And now that I've heard the word, the one thing I can tell you is that's nowhere on an oil sample form, so I don't think we're testing for that metal. Correct. But if we're not... So I figured I'm going to do some research in this. Yeah. Yep. 
So I know it's a popular motor, and I just want to make sure you know it, you know this information is shared. A lot of people listen to this show. I got a DD15. Hey, so. hold on one second. Uh, I'm going to bring Pete in. Uh, Angie did an awesome job and got Pete for us. Hey, Pete, sorry to bother you uh, in the hey. middle of your day, but I, I just no, heard no something problem. kind of interesting. Okay. So we had a call a while back, a DD15 um, had some issues. He, you know, we thought there might be some bearing. It had high copper. So I'll, I'll set this up for you. High copper, but it's a new truck to him. Used truck, no history. First oil sample shows high copper. Now, our first thought, this is a, okay. a DD-15, by the way, with about 700,000 miles on it or so. So the thought there is, you know okay. what, this is probably just leaching out of the oil cooler. But since we don't have a history, how do we know we didn't wear all the way through the lead and now this copper's coming off the bearings? So to be on the safe side, I said, look, you, you should at least look at these bearings. So... Took mm-hmm. it to a shop. You guys had some interaction with this truck. You didn't want to do the bearings because you needed a bunch of tools, I guess, to do it on a DD-15. Um, so okay. he took it to another shop that has those tools. They took a cap off, said, no, these bearings look fine. Now, he had them roll a new set of bearings in anyway because, you know, they were that far into it. But they said the bearings are fine. Mm-hmm. But then this came up that, these bearings now don't have any lead in them. There's some sort of tri-metal bearing. Have you ever heard this? No, I have not. I, there, I wasn't aware of that. Is there um, somewhere you can yeah, do so some again, digging stuff for us and find out? Yeah, for sure. For sure. So we can definitely do that and see what's going on there. Um, and the main bearings and rod bearings were both fine. Uh, I've got him on. They the, said the bearings. They okay. showed wear. Yeah, they showed. They showed wear, and they weren't. They weren't brand new looking, and that's pretty much what I told them. But they don't look like they just came. You know, just got rolled in and just rolled these ones in, and they did. And uh, the other thing that showed, the other thing, symptom I had was low oil pressure, below fifteen psi idling. So that's the other reason why we were concerned about the okay. bearings. And then I looked into it, and they got a whole. O-rings on the pickup tube problem, and so I had them do mm-hmm. that and everything, and then now the oil pressure's back up. Bearings are brand new in there, the, but uh, I'm going to have this oil sample done and see if it shows up with lead, because the other thing with our oil sample is it was zero lead. And like I said, it's a new truck to me. I don't know any history, but it was showing zero on the lead and high copper. Yeah, and just one other thing to throw in, Pete, because it's unusual. Um mm-hmm. This may be one of those engines that's just a problem. This thing's already had injector cups replaced as well. We had injector cups fail. Yeah, on and Jared, yeah, these generally are, you know, million miles. Other than the one box, you really don't have to do much to these. Right. They are a generally trouble-free engine. Um, and I think, you know, one issue they had was the, they don't have, Unlike an ISX where the cam is in the head and you actually have cam bushings in there, there's a, there's a, in a housing that sometimes crack and they'll leak oil through there and uh, you pull that off to replace. It's kind of like a you know, minor problem that exists. The guy has a DD platform and has a crack or an oil leak up top. It could be that housing that yeah. holds the camshaft. And I don't think they actually have bearings in it. I think it's like that housing's the bearing. Okay. So there would be no 
um, copper in that either. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I, 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 not a whole lot I can tell him about the truck itself. You've got new bearings in. We shouldn't have to worry about that anymore. He's got new injector cups. You know, now we can just run the truck and see what's going on. But I, I'm more concerned about if there's some new bearing on the market that doesn't have lead, we need to know that. And, and if it doesn't have lead as the outer coating, what is the outer coating? And are we going to pick it up on an oil sample? What do we need to look for? Right. Yep. I will look into that for the um, show on Tuesday. That would be I'll awesome. Information Thank, you, for you. Thank you. All right. You're we'll welcome. Let, we'll let you get back to your day. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, there's the beauty of relationships. I, I could probably go do the research. Absolutely. We got, a, we got a lot going on this week, and Pete's really good at that stuff. He's really tied into all the parts networks, and so Pete can go leverage his relationships, and we'll figure this out. All right. Yeah, when this oil sample comes back, I will certainly send it over to you and give you a call back. Excellent. All right. Thanks for the call, and uh, Thanks, we'll, look, we'll look forward to figuring this uh, this little mystery out. Let's head off to South Dakota. Shanna, welcome to the program. Hey, it's Shauna Gray with SMB Transportation. Yes, how are you today? Oh, living the dream. Got a <laughs> wonderful uh, alignment in here today and lots of lots of fun stuff. But the uh, reason I uh, called in is send in my first oil samples. I've uh, been working with Bill over at Pittsburgh Power and signed up so we can start doing OPS installs and getting our first ones in. But I sent in a couple. One was for a 2020 Kenworth. Um, and this truck is kind of a, a part-time truck, we'll say. Uh, it's a uh, guy doesn't drive a whole lot. He is one of the owner-operators I deal with all his stuff. And I'm a little concerned because of the abnormal, but this truck only had, oh, let's see. Where am I at here? Are you guys there? Yeah. So it looks like it, this this is a new truck, 32,000 miles on the engine, or is this an in-frame? No, this is a new truck, 32,000 okay. miles on the engine. Um yeah, it, we we don't drive that much every year. We'll put it that way. So, um, and there's twenty one thousand miles on the oil. So the first oil change was done at about eleven thousand miles. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. So this is going to be a little difficult. There, there are a couple things I might be able to figure out from here, but I think we're going to need more history. It, one of the things that looks really concerning on this oil sample is there's a lot of wear metals, but it's a new engine. Yeah. We do get new wear metals mm -hmm. when it's new. You get that those break-in metals. That, that's why we talk about, you know, sometimes we recommend doing an oil change in just 500 miles after an in-frame or oh, okay. you, you just, just get it out of there. It's going to be contaminated. Do another one in probably 10,000. Uh, and it, it just kind of clears up some of those wear metals early. So they're not, we're not being confused by them. So you do have high wear metals, but for right now, all we can do is just watch them. I, we can't tell anything from this. They're probably just break in metal. The other thing that's a little concerning for me is that the base has dropped so low. 
that exactly only on 21,000 miles yeah that's usually an indication we're not getting a good complete burn uh, we're, we're, that the engine may not be tuned as well as we'd like to see it. But again, it's out of the factory. So right around 75,000 miles, we're going to do an overhead on this thing. And, and we may find that the overhead was just set wrong. Uh, it's pretty common on new trucks. That can cause, you know, some, uh, some combustion issues that will allow that base to drop that fast. So really, you've got some things going on that, that we need to watch. There's just nothing we can tell from this sample yet. Okay. We are going to put the OPS system on this truck Good. probably next week. Good. So that should, I think, clear a lot of that up too, but maybe oh, get the overhead well, done before. One other question. Were, were 75, you catalyst? Yes, he started running Catalyst at about 20,000 miles on the, so he's been running it for about, you know, about 15,000 miles. Okay. And that's part of the iron. The iron is high. Okay. Way higher than what I would expect it to be. So, But there's two things going on. Some of it is the initial break-in, the wear, uh, and some of it is the Catalyst. The Catalyst does show up in most trucks as high iron. But it's not hurting. Well, if you look at the second sample, yeah, if you look at the second sample I sent you, that's on my 2022 uh, Cascadia with a DD15. And we've been running Catalyst in that since it was brand new. At this oil sample, there was approximately 98,000 on the engine, about 48 to 49,000 on the oil. Yeah. Now, here, interesting that you came in after the last call because the one number that jumps out on this engine is you've got high copper, not high enough that yeah. it, that we think of oil's cooler high. That gets into the three, four, five hundreds. You've got 54, which yeah could have come from the oil cooler, but it, I'm a little worried about bearings now. Um, we really didn't see any lead, but now I'm, you know, a little gun shy about this whole DD15 bearing issue. Um, but again, on this one, all we can really do is wait and see what happens the next time. You, you, you've got issues that we need to see patterns. We can't tell from one sample what might be going on. We're just going to have to wait and see what kind of patterns develop. Okay. Yeah, well, I guess that's why I buy the good warranty on the from Detroit, right? Yeah, you know, and in I, case. I, I have, you know, been pretty outspoken about extended warranties and aftermarket warranties. I'm totally, completely against aftermarket warranties in every case. Ne there's almost no exceptions. For no, me I, I don't do but, that. But I, I have I said in the past when and with Detroit specifically, I would buy their top of the line warranty because they are excellent about standing behind that warranty in fact the one yes they time are <laughs> i really remember um i had a, a detroit and i bought the extended engine warranty out to five hundred thousand miles that was extra and you know you're it's always kind of a gamble you know and i got to five hundred thousand miles and i had never used the engine warranty and I was like, ah, well, I screwed up on that one. You know, you, you roll the dice, and, you know, I, <laughs> I but, but this, here's what happened. Yeah. 560,000 miles. I had an oil pump fail. They fixed all of it under warranty. Yep. I, I was 60,000 yep, miles past the warranty and they still covered it all. 
this new one, the 2022, I bought a 600,000 uh, mile warranty on. Okay. And my husband always tells me I'm insane, but it, uh, there's been times where I had a belt break and they paid for towing. They paid for everything. It was in and out of a Freightliner dealer in two hours while we were loaded. I, I, I so. had another case where I absolutely believe that a shop, a, another shop I had no relationship with, I took it to them. They did an oil change and they weren't supposed to. <laughs> because I had a bypass filter. Uh, but not only that, when I found out they did the oil change, I was really pissed. One, it should have never been changed. I didn't ask them to. I don't know why they decided to do it. Somebody screwed up something. Not only that, though, I was running synthetic at the time, and they didn't put synthetic back in. Now I'm pissed about that. But even worse, when that truck went in, it used one gallon of oil right at 15,000 miles. Nice, solid engine. Uh, when it came out of there, it was using a gallon of oil every 3,000 miles. And I, the only wow. thing I could think of was somebody started that engine with no oil in it. Somebody was doing the oil change, drained the oil, went to do something else. Somebody needed to move it or whatever. And normally the shutdown should have caught that, but it didn't. But I can't see how a truck goes in not burning oil and then is burning all kinds of oil. I, we didn't break a ring. That's something that could do it. But when we tore it apart, there were no broken rings. But Detroit covered the whole thing did the in-frame and had that truck back to me in three days. An in-frame at a Detroit wow. shop, and they had it back to me wow. in three days, didn't charge me anything. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah we could so. all be so lucky. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I'm not big on extended warranties and paying more for warranties, but I had pretty darn good luck and results with Detroit's factory warranty. You just, you can buy better coverage, like you said. And and there was a time exactly. where I, I was doing that. And, you know, sometimes it pays off, sometimes it doesn't. But aftermarket warranties won't go anywhere near them. Well, it'll be interesting after we get these OPS systems on these trucks and then do the new samples and we'll have to call you back. There you go. I'll look forward to it. Thanks. Let's, uh, <clears throat> let's go to California this time. Keith, welcome to the program. Hey, I've got a question um, health, uh, regarding like a, an injury where they prescribe Teflix uh, to cure the, the infection, I guess. Oops, say, I'm really get, give me that word again or spell it. P-R-O, P-H-Y-L-A-C-T, I-C-A-L-Y, prophylactically. They oh, gave me antibiotics. Yeah, that that just means oh, keyflex, keyflex. Okay. Yeah, keflexin. Keflexin, got it. Um, okay, so this yeah. is a. Uh, I think it's a broad spectrum antibiotic. Um, okay, so what is your question about it? I just wanted to make sure I had the right uh, antibiotic here. Okay, I have cleaned my diet up. 90% over the last two weeks because of a horrible yeast infection in my feet. The doctors said that I will need to have surgery. I've cleaned up my diet and it's reduced so, the problem 50%, but these Keflexins are making me so sick. So you are, and I've got 12 left. I wanted to stop. 
you are diabetic? No. Probably pre-diabetic, pre-diabetic like all Americans, but okay. no. Yeah, there, there's it, when you can get yeast infections, that almost always occurs because of an overload of sugar in the body. Yeast feed on sugar. I'm a sugarholic. Yeah, well, that so you yes, are sir. diabetic. Let's just say it. You're diabetic. Well, that's that's what oh. we need to fix. Now, I, I've got. Okay. Um, why? I'm a little confused. Oh no, they they were assuming a yeast infection. Okay, that's why they're they're using this. The the problem I have here is. I know that it's making you sick, and that sucks, and it is one of the common side effects of this particular. Do you have, like, a radio on in the background or something? No, but I'm on a cell phone that's sitting on top of a speaker. Let me move it. Yeah, because I'm getting feedback from that speaker, and it's making making me a little crazy. Okay, yeah, that better? Much better. better, Thank you. Okay. So um, this is a fairly powerful antibiotic. here are the most common side effects, diarrhea, nausea, vomiting, indigestion, stomach pain. No wonder why you don't feel good. I mean, that these, this is a pretty powerful, nasty antibiotic. Um, there's lots of other side effects. Those were just the most common, but there's a whole bunch of other ones um, that aren't good. But... I am a big believer in once you start antibiotics, you better finish them. So, no, I'm not going to tell you to throw the other 12 away. Suck, suck it up and take them. When we stop our antibiotic use earlier than we are supposed to, we always run the risk of creating more and more drug-resistant antibiotics. You've killed off some of the infection, but not all of it, but you've exposed that bacteria to this antibiotic. And if you don't kill this bacteria completely, you run the risk. We always run the risk of creating newer and newer strains of drug-resistant bacteria. And it is a big problem. And we have to stop doing this. Doctors have to stop prescribing antibiotics when it's a virus. This is a case where prescribing an antibiotic was correct. We may have been able to fix this naturally, but, you know, it can be pretty difficult. An antibiotic probably was useful here, but you have to finish them. Don't quit your antibiotics early. 10-4, boss. I I know it sucks, and I know that's, you know, 12 more days you've got to suffer through the side effects, but we've got to get more responsibility around antibiotic use. We are going to get some super bug soon that we have no antibiotics that'll touch because of what the doctors have been doing for decades. Not because of me. I took it just now as we speak. I swallowed it. There you go. Good. Thank Thank you. you. Well, you're welcome. Good day, sir. All right. Yeah, that uh, it really is a problem. It's a big problem. We abuse antibiotics with humans in lots of ways. One, we give people antibiotics when they will do absolutely no good whatsoever. If it is a viral infection, antibiotics don't work. They can't work. Antibiotics can't touch viruses. Antibiotics work against bacteria. 
some fungi, some yeast, some other things, but not viruses. So if we know it's a viral, we should not be giving antibiotics, and yet doctors still do it, and their claim is, well, it's what my patients want, and they bug me, and so we just write the prescription. That's a really, really bad idea. And then the other big problem with antibiotics is 80% of the antibiotics we produce, we give to farm animals for a couple of reasons. One, we raise them in such horrible conditions. We have to load them up with antibiotics so they don't die. And two, we found out a long time ago that antibiotics make you fat and Farmers love when animals get fat. That's how they make money. And it does the same thing to humans, by the way. People who have had multiple rounds of antibiotics through their life struggle with weight loss even more than the average American. Antibiotics will do that. They will alter your gut bacteria uh, in lots of ways that just aren't good. So... uh, that's um, a couple interesting things today. Some new stuff. This bearing thing um, really has me kind of wondering. Hopefully, Pete will find out something for us, and we'll give you an update on that on Tuesday. Um, if we get anything earlier than that, we'll post it up on truckingtribe.com. Uh, speaking of which, by the way, uh, we have just a couple more minutes here till the top of the hour. I will kind of hang out here in case, uh, somebody wants to jump in with a last minute question. Otherwise I'm going to wrap this up here in just a couple minutes. So if you want to jump in now, 855-950-3835. Uh, the other issues I, I had some things I was going to talk about, um, Here's one I'll throw out there. I don't think we have too many people um, that are still drinking a lot of soda. But one of the things that we've been dealing with on the health side of things, lots and lots of people these days with poor kidney function. And this is just part of metabolic syndrome. But we do see a lot of this. And this uh, article on soda was pretty interesting. Um Soda can be horribly destructive to your kidneys, Uh, even more so when we are in this article was actually about extreme heat and exercising in extreme heat and then drinking sodas afterwards. And uh, the results are pretty awful. Um, so we, we know there are lots of reasons we should not be drinking soda ever, ever. This isn't one of those things where, oh, moderation, no, it's poison. There's only two options, really, when it comes to soda. You're either looking at a a glass full of sugar, which is what causes all the metabolic damage that we're seeing, um, or you're looking at a glass full of chemicals with sucrose and sucralose and all the other, not sucrose, but sucralose, um, all the other artificial sweeteners that are absolutely toxic. So not that we need another reason or we really need to say you shouldn't be drinking a lot of soda, but come on, you shouldn't be drinking any, period. It's just it's just toxic. Um, so if you are having kidney issues, clearly 
So the first thing you should drop out of your diet uh, is the soda. Uh, I think I talked about the DARPA and the insects. That's kind of scary. I'm going to do a little more digging into that. Um, Roundup, you know, I was kind of looking at uh, the lawsuits on that multi, multi multi-billion dollar lawsuits because it's pretty clear now that Roundup and glyphosate actually do cause cancers. Uh, But the crazy thing is, the product's still on the market. It's still being used every day. It's sprayed on your food days before they harvest it. Why haven't we just eliminated this? Well, you know why? It's sad. But if we were to eliminate glyphosate right now, we'd probably all starve. Our food supply is in pretty bad shape right now. And if we were to eliminate glyphosate, as as sad as it is, uh, it would be a bad thing right now. People who uh, were having real, real food supply issues in the world, they don't look like they're going to get any better anytime soon. So I guess we just need to, uh, to suck it up and, and uh, eat some poison with our food. Because glyphosate is used so much that it has made its way into so many other of our food products, places you would never expect that you should be finding glyphosate. But we found it in wine. We found it in candy bars. Um, I have uh, somebody sending me the balance of nature. I'm going to look around for a lab. See if I can find some reasonably priced testing. I want to see um, how much glyphosate might be in a product like that. It's not organic. It's concentrated. Uh, That's a little worrisome. So that's a little bit of what I've got going on. I am going to wrap. Oh, no, we got some calls. It's a good thing I checked. I almost wrapped that up. Let's, uh, Let's go to Iowa. Tom, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for having me back. Uh, you asked for more cars, so I figured I would oblige. Sure. What's on your mind? So, uh, I got a quick question for you. about 85. Uh, I'm not in California, but I know the president's trying to make this a nationwide thing. I'm leased to a carrier right now, and uh, but, uh, I was wondering, I know the, uh, the, the B prong of it or whatever is like if the person you're leased to that's their primary business uh trucking or whatever so the the company i'm leased to started out as a farm and they're still a farm but they've got trucks leased on i was wondering like how does that qualify does it go off the the main income of the business or how does that work yeah these are the kind of questions that are going to get weird and we're going to have to wait till uh the the courts rule on these things I mean, that's really what this comes down to. It, it, uh, eventually, if somebody wants to argue a point, it's going to have to be a judge somewhere that decides it. And we have no idea how they're going to decide some of these things. Uh, because the, this is typical. You write a law, but you can't possibly think of all the things that are going to be affected to write it all into the law. So then we have to wait and depend on the courts. Um, I, I, they, they say primary business. So in my mind, the way we would determine what a primary business is is by revenue where does that business get most of its revenue and i would assume that would be the the marker we would use for something like this gotcha that's what uh that's what we were worried about it started out as a farm and they got their authority 
steps to move like hay and cattle, and then uh, oh, wait. the farm Did fell on some hard times. I, I, Go on. I, I'm not completely up on all the details about this, but I would have thought that both hay and cattle are exempt. Right. Well, uh, what, what I was getting to is they found that the trucking side of things was making more money than the farm was, and so oh, now they've expanded yeah, okay. into the reefer world. Got the it. farm is still functional and still running, but uh, the reefer trucks that we have in the fleet are making more money than the farm does. Okay. So you, you are in a case where this may become an issue someday. Uh, so it's certainly good to be thinking about it. And um, so if this were the case, if it's a farm, but they do a lot of trucking, um, I, I would assume if their trucking revenues are higher than their farm revenues, then yes, the, if, if this ever went to court, then I think the judge would look at it and go, well, no, you're not really a farm, you're a trucking company. How worried should I be? Sit not back at and all. relax for a yeah, while? Or? Yeah, not, okay. not at all. Um, look, I, I spend a lot of time following this in the federal government. Now, not only is there a bill that would create a law if it passes, there's also the Department of Labor just saying, we don't need no stinking bill. We don't need Congress. We'll just write our own damn rules. Uh, which is one of my problems with this administration. We keep using agencies to create rules and we don't get a chance to vote on those people. But that's so I, I watch it closely and I know I make it sound like it's really important. And I think in the big picture it is. But the little picture, if, if each one of us is worried about how this is going to affect me, just put it out of your mind. We're, we're way too far away from that. Like even right now, do, do you believe that there are still California or uh, owner operators in California leased to trucking companies right now today? There, there's got to be. They don't yeah. just disappear. Exactly. So th that's all illegal. The law passed. You can't do that. But they're still doing it. Who's going to stop them? Makes a lot of sense. So just, uh, just keep doing what I'm doing and. Uh, even if he pushes it through, maybe he'll be out of office before they get around to enforcing anything and everything will change again. Even like I, even if we were to even either the government passes the law or, you know, the Department of Labor pushes something through, almost nothing will change. There, some carriers will, you know, go to their attorneys and figure out what they need to do. But for the most part, most companies and people will just keep doing what they do until somebody starts enforcing this. Gotcha. Now, uh, tagging on to this topic, uh, if they, if everything goes worst case scenario and they do start enforcing this, uh, becoming a W2 employee going from an owner off, can you still get paid on a percentage? I mean, can you still structure it basically the same with your carrier or yes. does a lot of things change? No, no, there, there's no law against paying a truck driver a percentage of the revenue, even if they're an employee. There's no law against that. You can pay somebody any way you want, especially in trucking, because we're not even subject to like overtime rules. 
So we're, we're, we have almost no rules in trucking about how we have to pay somebody. We're not subject to minimum wage laws. We're not subject to overtime laws. So it, it's kind of a free-for-all in trucking as far as how you pay somebody. So, yeah, you, but what has to go away is the truck. You, you can't own that truck anymore unless they wanted to go to a two-check system where they would pay you as a W-2, you would continue to own the truck and they would also pay you rental on your truck as a separate check. So what what makes the truck so special on who owns it? Because I used to be a mechanic and I owned my own tools. I mean, I, I guess I'm confused on why the truck makes a big deal. Well, it's not that it makes a big deal. What we're trying to do, we're trying to get around this law that doesn't allow independent contractors to lease to a carrier. We're trying to get around that. If, if, they, if the government would just go away and stop pushing this, we wouldn't even have to talk about it. But they are. So we're looking for solutions. And there are a couple solutions we've come up with. One, you could go get your own authority and this carrier could go get their brokerage authority and you could get all your freight from them still it would just be run through the brokerage instead that's one solution i guess what i'm i guess what i'm asking is how come i can't own my own truck and work for them at the same time you can that's what i'm saying that's the two check system that they would have to create gotcha Okay, okay, so the, the one check is paying me and the other truck check is renting the equipment from me? Correct. So, in essence, you become an employee and they pay you as an employee, but you are also now running a truck leasing business and they're going to pay your business to lease your truck from you. So, okay. so, in, so in that case, there is no independent contractor. Nope, nobody, there is, you're not an independent contractor. You're an employee and you own a business. That's the other way we get around this. Now there's actually a company, I read about this yesterday and I wanted to go do a little digging on them before I talk too much about them. And I'm not going to give the name. There's a company in the industry. They've been around for a while. I've watched them before. They actually, they're, they're almost like a driver leasing kind of company where you go to work for them, but they are going to send you out to go drive somebody else's truck. And it kind of like a temp agency, almost driver leasing kind of thing. They are now claiming they will create the two check system so that all these trucking companies don't have to, that you would go to work for them and they would pay you as a W2 employee and then they would lease you out to a trucking company and then you lease your truck out to that trucking company. So the trucking company would pay you directly to rent your truck. You'd be working for the driver leasing company as a W-2 employee. Like a staffing agency. Exactly. Yep. That's exactly what it is. You answered my question. Uh, maybe I'll hit the mega millions tomorrow and none of this matters anyway. So. <laughs> there you go. That's right. <laughs> Call us back and let us know if you do. It'll be exciting. Let's go to Minnesota. Tony, welcome to the program. Yeah, morning, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I got a quick question that, that 
uh, story about that astronaut that had the memory problems. Yes. And he, he wrote a book. Okay. Now, was that caused by statins? Yes. Yep. Okay. Uh, uh, That's good. Because I, I, yeah, I, I want to get the name of that book so I can think. And that's going to be the only way I can convince my father to get off these statins. Is he's uh, he, he's a retired Air Force Lieutenant Colonel, so I figured he'd listen to this guy. He won't listen to me. Yeah, that that's a that's a good point. So he's actually got a couple of books that I would recommend. Um, the first one that I read several years ago. Uh, was called Lipitor, and Lipitor is a specific statin, and that's the statin he was on at the time. Right. The title of that book is called Lipitor, Thief of Memory. And that one, right, re- okay. that one really kind of outlines his experience. He actually had this happen twice. So they, his doctor put right. him on a statin. He lost his memory. He, he regressed to being like 13 years old. Couldn't remember anything that had happened right. to him after 13. And then he went off the statin because he did the research and figured out it was the statin that caused it. And later on, his flight surgeon convinced him to try another statin, a different one. And he had it happen again, and it was even worse the second time. Yep. And now I just did a book review recently. I'm going to go look it up um, because I can't remember the name of the book right now. Uh, But it was his most recent. I also learned while I was reading that book that um, uh, Dr. Graveline died um, a couple years ago. And he actually believes that he died from the effects of that statin. And he he says that at the... uh, the very end. So here's the newer book that he wrote on this topic. Um, he wrote it in 2017. I think he may have died in 2018. Um, this one is the one I did the book review on. It's called The Dark Side of Statins Plus The Wonder of Cholesterol. If you're only going to read one of them, I would recommend reading that one. Okay. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Good luck with that. All right. We we are going to wrap this up. Uh, 10 o'clock, coming up in just about 45 minutes, 10 o'clock Pacific time. Rolling Toe will be on, so stay tuned for that. We've got Mike and Kevin Beckett coming up in just about 45 minutes, so we will see you then. Uh, We'll also see you back here tomorrow for Trucking Technology and Efficiency. Joel is on board. We're waiting to hear from John, so we'll see you then. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy, always. Do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford.